So, did you hear what Tweety is doing? I actually just, um, I kind of glanced at it and you're just now on your Instagram stories. Mm-hmm. But I didn't get the gist of it because I had to go get a glass of water. Well, I mean, as if there were <laughs> any... If, you know, I seemed like I wasn't engaged. So lay it on me, brother. Well, as as if we needed any further reason to to love Wilco, mm-hmm. um, Tweety sent out an, an open letter. Uh, it came through. It came through um, to me through the through having subscribed to the. Uh, to the Wilco newsletter, and uh, and then I saw that they had it on Instagram and Twitter and everywhere. It's so. I would like to point out too that you're currently wearing a Wilco shirt. You know what? It's I have a number of concert T-shirts. This this is actually so. This was from the uh, the 2012 show in Tucson, um, which I think was the second time I'd seen them. Uh, no, it definitely was the second time I'd seen them because the first time I saw them was uh i think on tour for a ghost is born and they they played uh the marquee (laughs) so for them at that point in time it was it was a pretty intimate show and that 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 show was actually um there was and and i i'm on record as really despising the marquee but i went there for for um there were three shows that came up during a time where uh, things were particularly shitty uh, with my ex-wife. And uh, one was, one was uh, Wilco. The other was, or another, I should say, was um, Paul Westerberg. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Rilo Kiley. <laughs> so Westerberg and Wilco were at the marquee, and then Rilo Kiley was at the, uh, I think it was called the Old Brick House, um, which is, is, has, is long gone. It used to be right near uh, Cooperstown, which is also gone. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm curious, what... What album was Rilo Kylie tur- touring on? They were on More Adventurous. Okay. So that was, and that was kind of like the breakup album. So, well, they did one more after that. They did Under the Black yeah, Light. Under the Black Light, which is the, like, that was in like the. Well, that was the like actual, you could feel the tension in the recording breakup album. <laughs> yeah. Like, under the, and Under the Black Light, I, enjoy a lot uh there are some good tracks on there but it's it's a rough listen in some spots i mean more adventurous was uh that was that was their peak sort of i mean the first couple of albums i think there are some some really strong songs on but yeah i mean if you listen to more adventurous you can see why you know jenny lewis really needed to break out on her own and and be a thing um and yeah. Anyway, um, I was, but, so um, I'm trying to think of when that, that had to be. I'm trying to think of when. I would like to that before you go on. 
that Jenny Lewis has always been her own thing in my mind since 1988, since True Beverly Hills. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Um, But continue, sir. I'm sorry, I interrupted. And you were getting back to Wilco. Yes, I am. So, but the the point I'm bringing up is that it's, it's, this is, this is one of the reasons I am such a fan of this band and Jeff Tweedy in particular is that he, you know, there's, I'm just going to read the letter real quick. So if, if, if you haven't, if you haven't read this, you know, go find it. And it's, it's also, it's, it's, you know, if, if you needed a reason to, to like Wilco or to listen to Wilco's music, this, this should be, this should put you over the top. So, um, it's, it's, uh, the, the modern music industry is built almost entirely on black art. The wealth that rightfully belonged to black artists was stolen outright and to this day continues to grow outside their communities. No one, art, no one artist could come close to paying the debt we owe to the black originators of our modern music and their children and grandchildren. As an individual, I have recognized the unfairness of the life I live in relation to the deprivation of people whose work mine is uh, but a shadow of. I've tried to compensate for those iniquities in both my public and private life. It hasn't been enough. I've often thought there should be an industry-wide plan to address this enormous injustice. Considering that our business prides itself on its progressive ideals and commitments to social justice, I've waited, thinking we would eventually put some type of sustained tithing in place. Some initiative that would allow us all to redirect a portion of our revenue to the communities that have been deprived of it. I've resisted being the one to initiate such a plan for reasons I find unpersuasive now. I feel it's important to pledge my personal commitment to paying this debt and to publicly ask every one of my peers to work toward doing the same. What I propose going forward is a program that allows songwriters and musicians to direct a percentage of their writer's share revenue to organizations that assist and support black communities. This could take the shape of a box to check on rights management contracts, putting it at the foundation of our business. Or it could take another shape entirely. I don't possess the expertise to manifest this initiative, but I can't begin, uh, I'm sorry, but I can begin to do my part by committing 5% of my writer's revenue to organizations that are working towards racial justice, which include, but are not limited to, movement for Black Lives Matter. I'm sorry, movement for Black Lives and Black Women's Blueprint. To BMI, ASCAP, CSAC, and all other organizations that collect and disperse songwriters' royalties, I ask you to please investigate a way to implement such a program. To industry leaders, please join me in forming a coalition. My small contribution alone is a sincere but insufficient gesture. Hundreds of us going together, uh, joining together could provide some tremendous relief. Thousands of us committing to a reparations initiative could change our business and the world we live in. Black Lives Matter. Thank you, Jeff Tweedy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah, it's, I applaud that. 
It's, I mean, the fact that it hadn't been done already is unconscionable, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, like, you hear all these interviews about how how many people have been influenced and straight up copied. The Rolling Stones? <laughs> Who? Elvis? Yeah, Beatles? I mean, yeah. you know, there's a lot of talk about how the Rolling Stones would, would try to, you know, would, would, uh, you know, openly speak of their influences and bring their influences on the road with them and that sort of thing. But, you know, outright repayment is not something that's really been talked about before, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, we could get into this, but I, I kind of, I could get into this more, but maybe it's not the, this is neither the venue or the place, but I thinking 5% of whatever Mick Jagger's making could, uh, if he was one of the people that uh, that you know followed Tweedy's example, it's it's definitely something that can make a difference. Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, that's a good way to start the show. This um, is what the fork. What the fork? <laughs> uh, I'm Jared. I'm Jason. <laughs> I'm Jason. <laughs> and uh, you know you can uh, follow at what the fork pod. On Instagram and Twitter, mm -hmm. uh, you can subscribe to the podcast, which would be fantastic. Uh, you could leave a rating or review in whatever app you listen to us in, which would be even more fantastic. You can do you could support the show financially, which would be also great. That would be um, either uh, through. Um, through Anchor, there's a support button, uh, but also if you go to patreon.com forward slash Hootenwaddle, uh, you can do a, a sustaining uh, pledge, I suppose is what it would be called. Yeah. I know that they are implementing... Father, support our show. Right. <laughs> uh, I know Patreon is actually uh, being having to implement some sales taxes, so... Um, it depends on, on what the, the reward is, I suppose, or something like that. Yeah. Um, I found this out firsthand this week, so. Did you? Yeah. Um, not, not because you're supporting Hoon Waddle, you must be supporting something else. Uh, yes. It's for my own personal gain. Um, <laughs> gotcha. No, uh, this, um, uh, this um, journalism newsletter um, desperately um, like uh, I mean it's funded through Patreon. Gotcha. Um, so uh, I contributed because um, it's important or um, supporting journalists of color right now. Um, they always have been, but um, but I find what they're doing is invaluable. Um, not only for me, but to journalists everywhere. And it's just like a, it's a really good insider media type thing. So that's like, 
they asked me where I lived so they could see if they could charge me tax. So, <laughs> gotcha. Um, yeah, because it's not for every state, and of course the rates are going to vary by state. It's it's one of those things. It's clear as mud. They because not even you know sales tax doesn't apply to all of the same things between states. It's it's fantastically uh, obfuscated. <laughs> yeah, so, that's um, great. Anyway, uh, and you can me on Twitter at Jason E. Kyle, K-E-I-L. Oh, we're um, doing ourselves this week? Um, so I mean, I do every week. <laughs> um, um, no, that's not true. I, I usually announce you and you announce me. Well, I'm trying to keep us on track, my friend. So Fine. Uh, you can follow me at LTD underscore engagement on Twitter or... Uh, can drop the underscore like it's hot for Instagram. <laughs> um, anyway. So, um, yeah. Uh, but um, it's a... Oh, um, I watched something this week that kind of ties in I, well, the reason why I watched this movie is because after watching the second episode upload, it just um, immediately made me think of it. But um, you are familiar with the 1993 action classic Demolition Man starring uh, Wesley Snipes and, and Sylvester Stallone, of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, a lot of. Um, I started watching that because a lot of um, this show reminds me of that movie um which um i've been watching it again probably the whole long again it's been since i've watched it I, I mean i do enjoy it it's dumb it is dumb <laughs> yeah um you got a lot of things right though <laughs> i probably haven't seen it since it came out um well um, is there anything else you wanted to bring up before we kind of got get into this? Um, oh yeah. Well, let's talk about your blog real quick. Cause you're, oh, yeah. you're doing that cool thing. I think the last time we talked, you were considering it, but you've actually put out the first edition of the stuff you're listening to while you, while you run. Yeah. It's just, um, I, I we talked about off mic, but yeah, it's just, um, I, <laughs> But I, I, it's doing it for a number of reasons. A, like I'm just like recommending things and trying to keep my mind limber, and you know, miss editing and all that other good stuff. And it's a good way to do that. So yeah, I um for the last couple of weeks, I've been kind of just compiling things I've been listening to, and um also in an attempt to like you know shake up my playlist my running playlist because i mean i can only listen to so much i mean i listen to a lot of like a's new wave so <laughs> i i can only um after a while even devo and duran duran start to get tired <laughs> um, um but uh yeah i um i've been listening to like uh like i talked about in this week's blog um 
Andrew Ridgely's um, memoir about him and George Michael being in Wham. Right. How is that? Um, well, I don't want to give too much away because I want people to read it. Does the band uh, survive? Um, <laughs> well, I don't know if you heard, <laughs> but um, George Michael went solo. Um, wait, wait, what? But he, um, yeah. But he, um, I like the way he he refers to him, of course, by um, throughout the book. He doesn't refer to him as George Michael. For most of it, he refers to him as through his like nickname, which is Yog, um, mm. because his real name is Yogithemis, because he's Greek. He's part right. Greek. George Michael. Um, it's not. Um, I think he definitely paints himself uh, as a support of light um, as like his biggest cheerleader. And I don't doubt it, but I guess um, it was really interesting to see just how, like how he saw George Michael as this like really this reluctant. He was first reluctant to be in a band mm. and then he threw himself into it and just became obsessed with it. Um, and then Master became obsessed with like how like a song did. Um, I think one thing I don't mention in the blog, but it really struck me was that um, we joke about um, like in, nowadays we joke about um, when again, <laughs> um, how can you like trying to go like throughout uh, the holiday season without listening to the greatest Christmas. Oh, Jesus song Christ. This Christmas. So... <laughs> no, not this Christmas. Uh, last Christmas, last Christmas, whatever it's. Yeah. Um, and, um, he was upset that he wasn't, didn't have the top Christmas single of all time <laughs> because he was outdone by band-aids. Do they know it's Christmas after all, <laughs> <laughs> which he contributed to, um, and it was for charity. So he's like, yeah, I did the thing for charity and everything, but also like, uh, but I really want the number one spot. Um, <laughs> um, like in, um, so he was just obsessed like with that, but like, it seemed like he painted him as like a really a guy who was obsessed with praise and gained the respect of his peers. And um, it doesn't, um, but it's also nice to get his perspective on things because um, we always think of, as I mentioned, like we always think of him as Wham as George Michael and the other guy. Um, but the other guy, Cobra, like their biggest hit, um, Carol's Whisper, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of people think that he like it was like wham with George Michael and they thought that he just threw him like a, a co-writing credit so he could get some royalties. And that's not the case. Like originally was like a writer, a songwriter all his own. Um, he just, so was it him or was it the other guy from, um, from tears for fears that was in psych? I, um, I'm going to assume it was the guy in Tears for Fears. Okay. 
Um, trying to, I th- I'm pretty sure it was. I, I can't remember the guy who's not Roland Orzabal or whatever his name is. Yeah. Um, I'm because I'm pretty sure. Um, because Ridgely has tried acting, and he mentioned that he did try acting, but he did not like it. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, he's. I think he's perfectly okay just living off royalties, which I'm pretty sure is a very sizable sum. Which he should be giving 5% of back to... to call back to our, to the opening letter, yeah. by the way. I'm just saying. The, um, <laughs> so, um, they definitely... Um, I, I went back and listened to Wham's first album after I finished, um, and they definitely owe a debt to Nile Rodgers um, mm. because... Um, that funky guitar did not play itself. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, 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 and the other thing I've been listening to is, and I just, I've been finding Marin's intros just like a comfort lately, or just more, almost more riveting than the interviews. Um, His intros have been very much along the lines of it's okay not to be okay. Yeah. Um, who, um, and he, um, he reminds me of this author that I interviewed like a few years ago named Nora McInerney, who did this book, I think, uh, along with about grief, um, like, like crying. It's like, it's okay to cry. I forget the name of the book, but she recently moved to Phoenix. So, Hmm. um, but it's just like it. Like it's okay to be sad and to grieve, and um, you know, outside of the in like his intro, his eight minute intro, the Monday after Lynn Shelton died, like I just like I have just been concerned about this person who I've never met. <laughs> like, well, I know you did. <laughs> you know, when he's, I, I've been listening since almost the beginning of WTF, which is over, over 10 years. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of, it's, you know, it's kind of hard not to get invested with somebody who's been talking about, you know, so candidly about their lives for this long. Mm-hmm. It's been, um, yeah, I just um like in like regards to like that Seinfeld episode, like I found his oh. intro much more intriguing than whatever him and Seinfeld were talking about. You know I realize people have I realize that some people have problems with that Seinfeld episode. But like I think that it's interesting because he, I, I honestly, I think he. It's possibly the closest anybody's ever come to cracking the Seinfeld facade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. There was like this, like there was like this ten minute period where I thought like he's gonna get Jerry angry. Yeah, and because Jerry's always been has preached the power of the laugh, right? And he's never. Um, it's like. I don't care how you make me laugh. You just have to laugh. Uh, just make me laugh. And, mm-hmm. Like that's has been his brand butter for ever since. Like Seinfeld's gone off the air. Um, 
and it was interesting to see like Marin kind of like get around that, but like, yeah, he was really trying. Yeah, and I liked um, <laughs> I liked when he said um, there was something he said. Um, oh man, what was it like when they initially asked him to be on the podcast and Tom Papa said like he's like. But why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like that's that and maybe it's because I've been watching Seinfeld a lot like lately. It's just that's him. Like that is it like I, I don't wanna <laughs> like it's not gonna why? I'm okay. <laughs> well like, it's maybe not, maybe if you know he's he's gotten Seinfeld now. Maybe there's there's still hope for Albert Brooks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think um I think Brooks wants to do it. But I think uh I think if he's ever gonna land Brooks, it's gonna be after COVID's done. You think so? Um, yeah, I think he wants to have him in his house. <laughs> so But I mean he's he's had some really interesting people that I, I don't know if they would go to his house. You know, well, I don't think he would have been able to get Kate Blanchett. Yeah. Um, if A, she wasn't have a TV show and B, if like remote stuff wasn't possible. Right. So, you know, probably um, uh, uh, Laura Linney. Right, um, right, right. Yeah. Like, I think his, um, his willingness to, go, to do interviews remotely now. Mm hmm. Um, I think has opened them opened up to a whole wealth of guests that he hasn't been able to get before. Do you think he'll he'll get John Stewart? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no. Um, and I for and I after I listened to Samantha B, I was like, why? Why him and Stewart fight? He's like, he's it? talked a long time about how yeah. how that just is not going to happen, and and he's pretty much taken full responsibility for it It'd been like he was really shitty to John Stewart and there are reasons why he wouldn't do it. <laughs> well, um, I got to the point, like I, I did some research and I, and I realized that um, I looked up and he said like, Stewart's like, I'm going to, I'll talk about this with you over coffee, mm-hmm. but not a microphone. Yeah. I don't think he, um, I don't think he wants like a like he doesn't want to be the next Louis C.K. episode. Sure, like, yeah. Uh, like using their definitely doesn't want to use this as a way to like boost Marin in any way. Like it. But well, I mean, I at this point, really, what do you think Stewart is going to boost Marin? No, but you know. um, Stewart's got a movie coming out soon. So That's why I'm saying maybe it's a possibility. Maybe it's maybe it's something out there. I don't know. Yeah. Um. Oh, and speaking of which, um, I did watch The Five Bloods. Uh, I was going to ask what you may have replaced um, Mad Men with. Mm. I didn't get to finish Mad Men, but I have been watching Hamble. A little bit. I need to. Uh, that's that's probably the next series for me. I am I'm almost done with uh, rewatch of Parks and Rec, um, mm-hmm. and 
you know, the last couple of weeks have been kind of rough, and for some reason that corresponded with being uh, with me getting on a Noah Baumbach kick. So I've, I've watched a lot, <laughs> a lot of Noah Baumbach films. Um, uh, have you watched uh, Mistress America? Not, no, not yet. Okay, that one is um, that one. People should talk about more. It's um, it's certainly on the list. I actually I made a list of of his films that I haven't seen yet. Um, I so I watched Francis Ha, which I thought was fantastic. Um, yes. I watched um, While We're Young, which I thought was pretty good. That one, yeah, that one was really good until it jumps the shark at the end. Uh, yeah, I mean it was <laughs> it was the Adam Driver character. I, you know, I don't know. It's he's. I, I just wanted to punch him so bad, um, but <laughs> the uh, it was nice to see Charles Grodin. Yeah, I just i I haven't watched it since it first came out. I just just seem to remember it stopped becoming about their inadequacies as being middle age, mm-hmm. and became about outing Driver as an artist. Right, and I just didn't like. It just shifted tone so drastically, and I just didn't get. Like I wasn't on board. He's just he's he's somebody oh. who you know, and of course they're they're you know, I don't know. They're, I think a few problematic things with with Baumbach, but um, I, yeah. I had loved I had loved the Squid and the Whale so much and then I didn't really follow up with any of his other stuff so suddenly it seemed like a like a good idea I don't know why but nerd story is going to kill you man that's, that's I keep putting that one off yeah that one's um that one hits close to home um in a lot of ways um and a lot of it just has to do with just um Scarjo and who who whose nominations were de- well deserved, and just driver just, just doing so well, and I don't see um he he denies it, but I don't see how it cannot be um about him and Jennifer Jason Lee's breakup. Um, yeah, it, that's that's one of those problematic things. Um, because I, I I've heard her side of it from uh the Marin interview a little bit that she did. Um. Mm-hmm going back to him but uh it's yeah i don't know i you know francis has probably actually been my favorite so far i greta gerwig is delightful in it and the um i really like that one quite a bit but um let's see did you watch margo at the wedding yet also not yet it's it's on the list and mistress america i think is extremely underrated kicking and screaming is pretty good yeah yeah um despite the um personal attack on milwaukee (laughs) 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 she's a lovely city um uh greenberg i haven't watched since it came out i think Um, so i actually last weekend as as uh needing to really uh get out of the house and and uh do something a little more normal. I uh, masked up and went to uh, Zia and and grabbed a bunch of of films. And Greenberg was one of them. Um, mm-hmm. 
and so was was uh, Knives Out, which literally, or, or to, since I'm doing a, a rewatch of, of Parks and Rec, literally, um, the <laughs> like the next day, I I got an email from my Amazon Prime account that Knives Out is on is free on Prime. I'm like, yes. are you fucking kidding me? I just, well, I only, you know, I, I bought it for like seven bucks or something like that, ten bucks, something like that. But um, it so, has like extras, right? <laughs> well, it's a, yeah, because it's the Blu-ray, so there there will be other stuff on there. But have you seen that? Nice out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I love that movie. I've seen it a couple times now. Okay, I, I saw it in the theater. I haven't seen it since then, but I, I enjoyed it quite a bit in the theater. So. Um. Yeah, and. I saw The Five Bloods, which I really enjoyed. Um, I heard Delroy, that's amazing. Yeah, Delroy Lindo, man, just um, knocks out of the park. Plus, um, he uses Marvin Gaye's What's Going On as an integral part of the soundtrack. Oh, nice. So, like, um, and uh, it's just like with everything that Lee does, like he's just it's amazing. I remember when we all went to see Black Klansman, mm-hmm. like it just that movie came out like at a moment in time. Um, Dwyer was just it talked about this story from the past, but he it, it's just extremely relevant. And the, he did it again with Five Bloods. It was just I'm, I was just floored at how he made like a Vietnam story about Vietnam just relevant at, like as hell mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and he just has so much especially just has so much to say and how he just says it so he, his characters just say it so eloquently um, and with such raw emotion as well it's yeah. like it's out. El- it's raw like it's i don't know how like even it's just it knocks you on your ass <laughs> um and um it does have some tonal issues just because it's like this it's going to be a tribute to like it's a homage to treasure of the sierra madre oh yeah um, yeah um and but like um i think as he put it like he kind of just put his little barbecue sauce on it um him and his lawyer because there was like a spec script um that came to him and he just really just spiced it up perfect and it's just of course visually stunning and i know i just it's made me want like if i had seen it regardless of like the events of the last month i it's really made me want to go back and just re-examine lee's catalog because i've been such a i've been such a fan of his for like decades um just the way he has to say and it just made me like want to reassess like how important he is um he's like one of the most important filmmakers since i was a kid so oh yeah i mean you know ever since do the right thing right yeah, have you ever seen She's Gotta Have It? Like that movie's pretty amazing too. Just I don't know, I just anyway, I could go on on about Spike Lee, but 
I, you know, oh. I mean, it, 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 it may speak a little bit to the show we've chosen to talk about that we're much more excited talking about other things. Yeah. Um, but we are talking about Upload. Yeah, uh, Amazon Prime. Yeah. Uh, there's this show that we're watching <laughs> called it's, Upload. It's all right. Um, and it, so, but... better. Well, yeah, and I don't want to talk about that, actually, but uh, I, I want to begin with, uh, this is uh, one of the first times we've got some listener feedback to discuss, um, <laughs> and and it's, it's well, you know, uh, our, our good friend Chris Ayers, um, who, if, if you uh, go ahead and Google Chris Ayers Creative or uh, Phoenix Film Collective... Uh, he does a lot of great graphic work. Um, he's Chris Harris Creative is his his graphic design company. Um, but he's he's been a, a listener to uh, What the Fork from the beginning, and he he was one of our first guests. Um, yeah. If not, was he the first guest? No, I believe that honor goes to Carly Short. Is it Carly? Uh, yeah. that's, that's how wiped I am, is that I can't even remember the history of our own show. Um, yeah. But for the uh, infamous birthday episode, <laughs> right? Um, so uh, Chris had, had called us out on, on a couple of things, you know, very respectfully. But um, we we had talked about uh, it's. Uh, let's see, what did he have here? Uh, oh, so we had mentioned we had talked about not really knowing when it takes place. Um, mm-hmm. and, and he, he let us know it's, it's 2033, um, right. the, and that the, uh, Kamala Oprah 2024 sign, uh, must've been a relic from the recent past. So, um, but he's, he's been sort of our, our fact checker on that. Um, so, and I'm realizing as I'm scrolling through this, <sighs> Stupid, sensitive phone. Uh, Chris, if you're listening now, I have just uh, inadvertently reacted with a thumbs down to one of your comments, which I did not mean to. <laughs> Stupid. He's probably like, Chris is like the nicest guy, but I can just imagine going, well, why is he disliking this? It's like, yeah, no, I, I that totally was a, a goof on my part. My uh, clumsy thumb as I'm scrolling through your comments here. Anyway... Mm-hmm. That's exactly, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to get some, it's, it's, it's been great to know that, um, that some, uh, and now, now I just did a thumbs up too, Jesus Christ. Okay, so I'm going to put the phone down now so I don't, oy, oy, oy. Um, I just got the, the thumbs up alert on my phone. <laughs> For, or on my watch, she's just like, yeah, just because. Put the uh, phone down, dude. The phone is down now. Anyway, the whole thing is. <laughs> that uh, clumsy thumbs aside, it's nice to get some feedback from people who are listening. So yeah, um, well, feel free. I've injected this episode with the um, levity that sorely needs. <laughs> <laughs> Um, 
But but getting to this, so Chris actually he he mentioned that he binged the entire series and he said that it gets better, which I was skeptical about. But I actually already like this second episode better than the first episode. I mean, the bar was kind of low, so I mean, it was super fucking low. I don't. Yeah. I mean, so but all right. The second episode, which is called Five Stars, <laughs> yeah. is is written and directed by. Greg Daniels, who mm. also did the first episode and is the show creator, of course, as well. Well, I think what this benefits, this episode benefited more from is that focus. Um, it doesn't have to set things up so much anymore because um, it's like the world building's kind of out of the way. Sort of, but I mean, what do you think the need is to cram so much into that first episode that it becomes just kind of difficult to watch? Do you think I, that's a holdover from writing pilots for network? Maybe, like, or just like, maybe he knew what he had wasn't. I, like, it's tough to establish. Like, the most reading anything like fan, like as i've mentioned on the show before reading fantasy novels especially the first book is extremely hard for me because i don't get into the minutiae of world building um like that's what makes the first season of games of thrones a slog so it makes the first harry potter book a slog i and it's what makes the hunger game the first hunger games book a slog I can't get into it. And this is just my opinion. I'm sure everybody effing loves it. But <laughs> it's it's just like, like your opinion, man. <laughs> yeah, it's just like my opinion, man. Yeah. Like but I, I think what well, I think what made this episode different from the first one is that A, it's fifteen minutes shorter. <laughs> yeah. Like, that was that was nice. And it's also like um, a lot of the stuff that was established in the first episode is now kind of shorthand in this episode. Like it kind of gets um, the thing that kind of like just kind of kicked things off. I think the thing that kind of got me into it was like the cameras that you have to put on. Um, the consent body. patch. The consent patch. I so. I wanted to talk about that. That was the, of course, it was, you know, right out of the gate. It's, you know, when they're talking about whether or not they brought protection, they're talking about not condoms or, or birth control or anything like that. They're talking about this patch that they have to put on and note that they have given their consent to having, uh, you know, what I like to call in its its most sensual term, uh, sexual congress, <laughs> intercourse, <Yes>. if you will. <laughs> <laughs> like, and then um, they have to rate each other afterwards as if like they've taken a ride, like as if it's, it's an Uber or a Lyft. Like, yes. Yeah, I noted that too. So, but to and you like the fact that like the guy like asks. You'll give me five stars, right? <laughs> I j yeah. Um, so, but but the consent patch, do you think that that was... That seemed like it might have been a little bit of taking the piss out of, of, of woke culture. I, I didn't 
take it like as it's it rides a line the joke rides a line that's for sure um it i think it was um i it's sort of like um like a joke off robocop like it's just ridiculous like it's an invention that's kind of ridiculous and touches on something in culture today. I don't know. Like the more that I think about it, the more it just may have seemed out of touch. Well, I um, mean, I kind of vacillated back and forth on it because initially I was like, wow, that's, that's just a really tone deaf comment. But then I thought, well, maybe that's actually not a bad idea. We're two consenting mm-hmm. adults, you know, so that there's no mistaking have to verify that they're consenting to to fucking. Well, and it, it also goes to show that, like in Greg Daniels's future in thirteen years, we um, were recording who we have, like, or keeping a document, a legal document, of who we're having sex with. Which uh, I mean, but it's a, it's it's, <laughs> um. Yes, but also only in the case where you have to uh, do sex Uber. Yeah. Which they um, called Nightly. I thought that was, you know, the app for one night stands. I thought that was pretty funny. But um, like, to my point, like earlier in the app, like earlier when we talked earlier, like this is a invention, an invention straight up out of like Demolition Man. And um, I think... Um, to, I'm not sure where I read it. It was probably Wikipedia, which was probably a bad idea. <laughs> but this is, um, I've not read Brave New World, but well, I do know. It's been a long time, but yeah. Yeah. But I do know that Daniels was more influenced by that. And he, you know, then probably more by that, as was, strangely enough, Demolition Man. <laughs> Um, it makes it makes sense the 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 tone of the show makes sense that he was influenced more by Huxley than by Orwell. But yeah, for sure. Well, even like Sandra Bullock's character in Demolition Man, her last name is Huxley, ah. like as a homage to the author. Like it's and like if you look at some of the um, like inventions, the silly gimmicks in that movie, it's like. There were restaurant wars. Then mm. <laughs> Taco Bell is the only restaurant. There was a <laughs> the hit is the hit of the um the radio, the music of the generation isn't um no one's making music, they're singing along the television jingles. Mm-hmm. Um it's the demolition man, not upload. <laughs> <laughs> um and um you don't um you don't use toilet paper. You use uh, she seashells <laughs> um, in Demolition Man, and um, and and Demolition Man, uh, Sandra Bullock and Stallone attempt to have sex, but it's through like a headset, um, and not a, uh, um, and not physical mm-hmm. to which. To the point where Sandra Bullock says, exchange of body fluids, gross. <laughs> <laughs> and so on, like, really, like, 
it's become so like their role has become so sterile. Yeah. Oh. Um, and, um, and it's what I think like upload is kind of like, like they're kind of, it's taking like what maybe it seemed like the issues that are like the topics of 93, they poked a little fun at, um, now in demolition man. And it seems like the issues that are 2020, they're kind of, uh, I should mention it. Like, I just keep thinking like, yeah, he did kind of take the piss out of consent, didn't he? It's well, I mean, yes, that, that, I mean, that was my initial thought. Um, I, I, I just think some of it's handled a little clumsily. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think that that's one of them. Um, but you know, I, I think that that's also just the style of it too, because, you know, he handles the Koch brothers the same way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which it's kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but, but I mean, it's, it's very clear that the, the David choke is, is a, is supposed to be a representative of what the Koch brothers are. Um, mm-hmm. which side note, of course, uh, David Choke played by William Bruce Davis, uh, yes. <laughs> also known as the smoking man. Yeah. And I, I kind of, um, from X-Files, if anybody's not familiar. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that I mentioned is that like, of course the rich white guy thinks it's a conspiracy. And of course it's the cigarette smoking guy who, like, <laughs> it, it was perfectly cast. Yeah. I thought that was um, good. But, um, but also I think it's, but it is, I mean, but he's, he's also correct though. I mean, the, the, the guy who made his life, you know, as he talks about having co-run the most successful private enterprise of all time and having influenced, uh, politics for generations, um, recognizes oh yeah you tried to do a free version of a six billion dollar industry you weren't murdered at all um (laughs) it's like the 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 guy the 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 main guy has has the you know kind of uh naivety of uh, you know, no, why, why would I be murdered? You know, I was, I was just this programmer guy, blah, 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 you know, and, and the, the, you know, rich white conservative male is like, no, you were trying to take down private enterprise with a free option. You were definitely killed. But I think you've kind of touched on the like overarching theme of maybe this episode is that, or even the series is that, um, naive white people think that privatization of everything, um, whether it be um, the afterlife or like to um, um, sex consent, um, like you're not going to get, um, like you're not going to get um, to therapy even. Like everything is like privatized mm-hmm. and is efficient and done on the cheap, which is why like. You have a talking dog. <laughs> yeah, um, what did you think about that? By the way, like mention you have a dog 
in a therapy se session before he's about to, you know, um, um, before he's about to spill his guts out, saying like the session will be recorded for quality purposes. <laughs> right. Um, and like, but you see, like from the start, like everything's like glitchy, like the birds glitch, um, flying overhead, um, and like it's just, um, it's. Like, it's just this, like, privileged white guy thing. It's like, oh, like, of course, like, everything's going to be okay. Because, like, other rich white guys are taking care of me. But they're not. They're looking to get rich. <laughs> right. So they're going on the cheap. And, like, your head's in a jar, but you're going to have an effing nightmare. <laughs> You know, so. it's it's interesting, and I don't know how much of it's going to be illuminated by this first season or not. But you know, we 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 have the situation where the the you know main guy that we're supposed to care about or be interested in in you know how he he got murdered and all that kind of thing is is still he just doesn't doesn't get it. You know, he he on the one hand was was involved in doing something to, you know, help people who did not have the privilege of of uh, disposable income and and so forth. But, he, you know, he also is still very much, you know, uh, he's narcissistic he objectifies women. Uh, his ideal of masculinity is is very much, you know, uh, arcane. Uh, you know, he says he talks about uh, the idea of of of, be, of you know what manliness is basically of of um, uh, you know uh, what is it like? Uh, I had this down somewhere. Um, it's, it's very much like this cis white male version of it though. Right. You know, of being mm -hmm. dependent on of, of, uh, women wanting to be with you, all this sort of thing. And it's, it seems, you know, but is that as I'm thinking about this, is that in and of itself a commentary of, of how things are now? Because it's, um, Oh, where was I going with that? It's, it's even as we're trying to be, you know, better about things and be more inclusive and, and, you know, change, there's still this, this idea out there that's, uh, that's very toxic. Yeah. And then, the character who I do care about, um, well, I can't think of her name right now. Um, uh, the character who I do care about, like she's trying to navigate this, her way through this world that has been this corporate world set up through rich white guys, like trying to get up to that special rating so she can get the employee discount. 
right. over that. <laughs> Hitting that 4.6 uh, mark. Yeah. <laughs> like me. early, like point oh 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 four points away. Yeah. And then the book's like, F you, you gotta get to a 4.8 now. Like, and she's being judged by somebody who is completely intruding on, on, uh, you know, mm-hmm. people's privacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, it's just, um, which by the way, to go back to the earlier rating system, you know, how, how, you know, the guy wanted five stars and they talked about giving each other four stars, but he gave her four stars because she wanted to like talk and cuddle afterwards. Yeah. I'm, I just, I, I would be right there with the talking and cuddling. I'm a cuddler. It's just, <laughs> it's just the but expectation. I but I think that's what, um, to your point, to what to start this conversation about taking, um, taking the, um, what started this conversation about consent. Like, like, yeah, he really made this off color probably inappropriate commentary, but it's almost instantly redeemed by um, this definite attack on um, bro culture. Yeah. That women seen as um, clean women are seen as like, like, like this, this whole social culture definitely favors you know, those with the loudest voices and I, I, we could get into it more, but I know I just, we're exactly about that. I, I think that this is probably my biggest criticism of the show so far is that it's, I think that it's trying to take a, you know, a sort of um, satirical tone and I don't think he's quite hitting it. I, I think that that some of the humor that he, you know, or the messages that he's trying to send that if you, if you, you know, for, you know, I watched it, I watched the episode twice. And the second time I watched it, I'm like, uh, you know what? He's actually really saying that these things are a problem that, mm-hmm. that the main guy's um, views are, uh, you know, that they're not, they're they're that they're not good that they're not defensible um that mm-hmm. you know in making the more interesting character the woman who who is you know more concerned for other people and more more altruistic that that you know that that she ends up being the person who is the more dynamic interesting character um mm-hmm. It's and so I, I, I think that that's where. That should be something that's more immediately evident, um, and and I I I I think that it's it's being obfuscated by that the type of humor that Daniels has excelled at, to this mm-hmm. point, you know even watching another one of his shows, uh, Parks and Rec, it's 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 even more immediately evident in that, in the, in the relationship between Leslie and Ben, you know, it's, I don't know, maybe I'm off base with that, but. No, I I don't because like the office is definitely like, like 
made these uncomfortable jokes like at the expense of a cis white male. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like, was it, I think, I think he's trying to think he, he's trying to mix. Uh, I, I think he's trying to, he thinks he's being clever by making these inappropriate jokes. Um, like you said that, like he thinks he's being Huxley, but he ends up coming off like Dilbert, like a Dilbert strip. It's um, it, it's it's a a lot of what I take issue with with um, a Ricky Gervais too. Mm-hmm. It's it's just it's it's that kind of this is where um, you know satire and sarcasm and and that kind of you know gee look at me aren't I so smart kind of thing kind of tips the balance into being disingenuous and missing the mark a little bit. Um, and, but well, like, I guess when he's on, he's on, but like, he's like, he was way off on that. Like, now that, now that you've brought it up, but like, I just think he's just kind of, again, he, he was kind of way off on that joke. Yeah. Um, I, uh, there's just some other, like, um, there was another. Uh, I know we're like skipping ahead here, but like the Mitch, um, just a lot of the jokes seem kind of dated. To like, it's just not. Like, there's the, like the five people, like the five other uploads he has to meet. Yeah, clearly an album reference. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. The, like the five, the five people that he meets in the upload, or it's the five, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I get that. You know, and even some of like the even though the it's an update technologically speaking, the the joke about the sex suit, you know, yeah. is can be, you know, traced all the way back to like Sleeper, you know, or 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 something like, you know, sci-fi comedy in the 70s or something. Yeah, it's, and like he makes like a he makes a dodgeball jo- like a joke. He literally stole a line from Dodgeball, the movie. What, what was <laughs> like the line? Have, um, if you don't set any expectations for yourself, then you're never disappointed. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, okay. Like, that is lifted straight from Dodgeball, the Ben Stiller movie. <laughs> like, yeah, it's. There are variations of that that have been told. You know, Homer Simpson saying the the biggest lesson here, kids, is to never try. Um, you know, it's it's been well, done a lot. There isn't plagiarism, though. Yeah, <laughs> like it, like that line's like almost borderline plagiarism. Yeah, like it's. I, I can't believe like. It boggles my mind just how. Yeah, I, 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 we kept saying this episode was better, but like, I know it just kind of makes me feel like this is just this show's just like boned in or uploaded well, on a slow connection. It's uploaded on a slow internet connection. It's just <laughs> it's it's intriguing enough to keep going though, and there are some ideas I like. So, for instance, the 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 there were a couple of things with the kid, right? I I, yeah. actually, I thought that that was pretty funny. The whole thing about how he's bored, so he has it set on like Street Fighter, so that mm-hmm. you know he has to fight all of the 
of of the you know workers and so forth but then also the idea that you know he died as a kid he's he's forever going to be a first grader or wh- yeah. however old he was supposed to be 11 years old i think it said 7th grade that's right um and his and, friend is like 18 now exactly his best friend is 18 and so that there's there's going to be some disconnect there um mm-hmm. You know, you can't <laughs> grow. I'm like, I just don't want to be a virgin anymore. <laughs> right? Yeah, I thought I thought that could have been put more eloquently too. That was yeah. that was um, he got the point across, but still, um, the but you know the idea to to throw these nuggets in there as we're kind of getting the story through that the kid is the perfect encapsulation of one of the problems, which is that you know, as you're uploaded, you're kind of frozen in that state in your development, right? So, uh, an arrested development, if you will. (laughs) 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 But the, you're, you're really not, you know, you, you, you can probably read all you want and, you know, get into all sorts of philosophies and that sort of thing. But, for the most part, your development is done at the point that you that you die. So you're stuck with whatever mentality you have. And if you die as a seventh grader, you're forever stuck at that kind of level. Um, mm-hmm. And there, you know, there's on the one hand, it's kind of sad because your friends in the outside world are going to continue to to develop and grow. But also, it, it it's it's a, a problem with this idea of having your consciousness preserved, right? Because, you know, you're, you're, you're pretty much stuck. There's, there's not a lot, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, I think one of the more interesting philosophical discussions, right? If, if we are having our consciousness uploaded to continue to live on, do we have the capability of, of growth and exploration and, 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 you know, changing our intellect and and maturity levels, it, or or really, you know, is it just too much, too much to really ask or think about that? You know, really, you're part of an algorithm at that point, and yeah. and as a computer, you're not going to grow. It's like the problem. Uh, with talking about data in Star Trek The Next Generation, right? You know, yeah. is he's uh, sort of ostensibly designed to adapt to humanity, but he's still an android. So it's, you know, I, I think that that is where the show can be compelling, and I wish it would give me more of that. Yeah, I agree. I, like, the plot... I mean, to kind of maybe, I guess, sum up, because I think we've kind of, you've gone through all, we've kind of gone through all my notes. <laughs> yeah. Is that the plot, I mean, the plot is pretty basic. Like, he's going to discover that he, his attempt to disrupt this business backfired. Um and he's finding out quickly that virtual heaven is full of as many horrible people um, on earth than it is in the upload. <laughs> like right. it's, but like 
you have to press on and find your tribe um, and try and hopefully uh, hopefully isn't like the 11 year old kid and tries to find it's a better place. I, I, I think the end, like two episodes in, like I, some of the ideas are interesting to explore, mm-hmm. but it just gets bogged down in this like humor that again, that's as about as smart from a 1993 action blockbuster. <laughs> Like it, it'll that. be, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, because you know, I, it'll be interesting to see how it's managed, right? Because I, I, I think that this was a vast improvement over the pilot. Um, I do think that, you know, but but there are still some. One of the least interesting aspects I thought was when they they cut to the woman who's doing the investigation. Um, into his death. I'm like, eh, you know, so now we're going to have this plot to follow and it just does, it doesn't seem like there's, you know, so, so now, now we've got the, the guy who's, who's having to come to terms with being dead. We've got the, the woman who, uh, is, is trying to, you know, find her way to work in a system that's designed against her. Uh, and, and so, and then we've got this murder mystery plot to, 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 to see through as well. It's, you know, and we have a, vapid, and we have a vapid girlfriend, right? Yeah. I, I, they, they could drop that anytime and I would be happy. Yeah. I'm, she's I'm the worst. Her. Yeah. Um, and she's, I, she's, I, I don't know who the actress is, but she's clearly designed to be this Margot Robbie lookalike. And yeah, with- and I just I wasn't that interested in in her her treatments and you know her disgust at the sex suit. You know that just again proves how uh, she's more concerned with personal image and herself than she is about possibly being giving to her, her dead boyfriend. Um, you know, yeah, it's established pretty early on. She's shallow. Yeah. You don't need like a gross sex joke to like, to do, to, to like affirm her shallowness. Yeah. It's just, I, I don't know. Like, it's just um, the show. Like to, to sum up, like the show has like some really interesting ideas. But again, if I wasn't watching this for like a podcast, I I might at this point just stop. But uh, I'm yeah, I'm it'll be interesting to see. You know, because it's it is it's an interesting premise that gets mired in sophomoric humor. Um. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm encouraged by our, our friend Chris, who, who is, uh, it says that it improves. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, you know, so, and because we're doing the podcast, we'll, we'll stick with it. There are only eight more episodes of this first season to go. Um, yeah. 
But yeah, but, it'll be interesting to see if it can if it can rise above itself because if it could just put aside the the notion that it's a sitcom along with these these ideas, it it, it I think it would be a much better show. Well, like and I was just thinking about this too. Like I mentioned like RoboCop and stuff earlier like it's like that's an action movie. This a satire disguise as an action movie. Mm-hmm. Upload is a comedy sitcom. So if the if the consent joke was supposed to be satire, it's lost on like it's the message is muddled, like, right? Because of the venue, like RoboCop is very clearly satire from the first like five minutes mm-hmm. or like a Beerhoven futuristic movie. Like it's clearly satiristic because the world they built is so outrageous. It, like, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, and this, I think we'll kind of wrap on this and then we'll, we'll, we'll yeah. rate this episode, but it's, do we rate one or five stars? <laughs> that's pretty funny. It's if it's out of five, it's not a five. I'm going to tell you that. Um, yeah, but it's there's a spate of these, and and I'm I'm thinking that this is, you know, there's a a sort of a blessing and a curse to the uh, this sort of age of entertainment that we're in where there are so many outlets to get your your stuff out there and and the world is so content hungry that things are are being given a chance that might not otherwise be given a chance and there are some some really great things that are coming out of it and there are some things that seem like a good idea that are just kind of missing the mark and yeah. I, I would point to this as an idea of, or as a as a as an example of that I mean, Space Force is another example of that. I think that um, there is that Hugh Laurie show, Avenue 5, that I think is another example of that, that, you know, has some interesting points, but it's just, it's not quite there. Well, I mean, at least like to compare it to the show that we're so, we should be, we would be talking about if Netflix would just come out with the shows already. Um, two more months, two more months, two more months. Fingers crossed. Um, <laughs> like, I don't, I sure like established like the tone early, like on that show, like in the pilot, like mm-hmm. what going to be like, like I think that show does satire better than like what we're watching now because he, he struck the tone right away. Right. And I know with this, with upload, like it's so tonally everywhere. Like, yeah, it just, like it can't it can't settle down into what it's trying to be yet, or it doesn't know what it wants to be yet. It really doesn't, and I was just because like it's like every other Craig Daniel show that like it just struggles for like the first season until like it. And this this goes back to what I was saying in our last conversation, though, is that. In this kind of 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 you know 
it's where where the office could go for a couple of seasons, you know, and not really you know, before it really got good. Or Parks and Rec mm-hmm. could go for a season and a half before it got good. That just that if if you're only given you know these. 10 episodes of something to kind of showcase what your idea is. You don't have the luxury of figuring out what you are before you hit the air. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's so many options. Like it's so weird. Like when those shows started, like there was still like a few cable shows. It's crazy. It was, it was not that long ago, but I mean, it seems like a long time ago. There was definitely not the prevalence there is of, of Hulu originals and and Netflix originals and Amazon prime shows, or at least they weren't getting the attention that they are now. Um, And so a show could have like 20 some odd episodes and still be figuring out its identity in the, you know, and 20 some odd episodes in a single season. Yeah, and do you think like Daniels just can't ad- maybe can't adapt to this right now? I think it's very possible that he cannot. So, because like he's he we established in the last episode that like he is like this writer that has come up through like episodic television. Yeah, came up through through The Simpsons and and stuff like that. You know, I was, yeah. I was thinking about this too. What was um, I'm trying to think? Of, oh, I was listening to uh, what was uh, uh, Fake Doctors, Real Friends, or whatever the Scrubs podcast is. Um, <laughs> and you know, uh, Neil Flynn, the guy who plays janitor, uh, was on and talking about. Um, he, he made some comment about uh, they're talking about like the great side characters uh you know like the the backup guys and how the real like the best example of that is the simpsons who have you know like 200 characters that people know um mm. and you know that that's a 30 year show you know it's if i were watching the simpsons now and i and their first season is was what their first season was i don't know that i would have kept watching it mm mm-hmm. Oh, Disco Stew says no go. <laughs> yeah. Stew says canceled. <laughs> I love that. Uh, the the, the uh, yard sale the Simpsons have and, and Homer's selling the denim jacket that he bedazzled with, you know, it was supposed to say Disco Stud, but he ran out of room, so it says Disco Stew. And he's trying mm-hmm. to sell Disco Stew at the jacket, and Disco Stew says... Disco Stew does not advertise. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I watched the Rock and Roll Camp. Episode. Oh, that's a, I, that's a ridiculous vanity episode, but I love it. I I, I, I enjoy it for a number of reasons, um, but I like uh, the Springfield Taxi Cab Confessions. Like, Disco Stew, like I he just. Realize, like, I'm just this one note guy, man. <laughs> yeah, I just do it because like people just want me to. And like, this is like, this guy's is much cheaper guy than I thought he was. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I mean, 
any any show that has an episode that can get you who was in that? It was Keith Richards, Mick Jagger, Tom Petty, Elvis Costello. Uh, was Joe Strummer in that one? I th- I think that Strummer Brian, might have been. Uh, Brian Setzer. Brian Setzer was in it, yeah. Um, Strummer and might have been dead already. Kravitz, Lenny Kravitz. Lenny Kravitz was in it. Yeah, that's right. That was that was something. Um, Simpson. Like <laughs> <laughs> Jagger just yeah. Simpson. <laughs> it's just pretty. I. I just like the joke where um, there's a few jokes that Costello tells, like, <laughs> "What about bass? Like, punk? How about bass?" <laughs> or like, smashes his glasses. Ah, my image. My, yeah, my my identity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great episode. Anyway, much better yeah. than this than this show. Um, all right, out of ten. I don't remember who went first last time, but but what do you give it out of ten? Oh god, six and a half maybe. I think that's. I gave the first episode a six. I gave so. the first episode a five. Um, I gave this one a seven. I thought that this was a a, a vast improvement on the last one. Man, um, you really knocked me down. I was about to give this one like a like an eight, but like the more I thought about, it, I was like, oh, like it's just. Like the more I think about it, the more it's just like it's just thinks it's clever. What is it? Yeah. What is that movie? There's a movie where somebody says, "I'm here to enlighten you," and I suddenly feel like that guy because I talked you down from liking this episode more. I don't know, man, but you really talked me down like off of this episode. Like I wasn't. I mean, I still think. I probably would give him at least like a seven, but like you talked me down to like a six point five, man. I, you know what? I gave it a seven. I, I, I think it's a solid C, um, which now makes me think of of Martin Short as uh, uh, oh, who who does he play the 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 songwriter guy, the old time songwriter guy? And he's like, give me a C, a bouncy bouncy C. <laughs> Oh, no. It was a Saturday Night Live character, and he's like, and he makes uh, up a song on the spot, you know. The God, the only Martin Short character I remember from SNL is Ed Grimley, because they made like a Saturday morning cartoon show about it. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I watched that as a kid. Yeah, and um, back when like someone could like back when a comedian could like make a character and. It five years later it becomes a cartoon show, like Bobby from Bobby's World from Howie Mandel. And, yeah. Um. But yeah, I um, give me a I yeah I I'm not familiar. Give me a with C, Martin. a bouncy bouncy C. Give uh, a what, C minor. <laughs> what was I uh, wish? Or yeah, I wish I could get. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. You really. You're, you're welcome. Not, happy, happy to bring you down. Yeah. yeah whatever. <laughs> if you have, if you ever need to enjoy anything less, talk to me about it. Um, <laughs> I, um, you want to talk about something that I w- that I thought I would enjoy more than I did. And speaking of Martin Shores, I finally watched that Steve Martin, Martin Short special on Netflix that a night you'll forget for the rest of your life. 
Yeah. Um, I thought I would like that more than I did. So you forgot. I wish I could actually. It's 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 just it you know having such fond memories of of both of those character those uh, people and how how funny they have been and what a, a, a you know comedic presence they've been in my life since I was a kid and saw the Three Amigos. Um, I you know it's I I was I was hoping for something more, but it's it's really just two old white guys who are doing shtick and. Uh, in some instances, better than others. It's so I was a little, little bummed by that. But you know, you know, I watched the Three Amigos recently. I don't think it holds up as well as does it not hold up. Mm, It doesn't hold up as well as like it did when I was a kid. Spies like Spies like us, on the other hand, kind of holds up still. Haven't seen that in a long time. Oh, there's there's that whole thing where they call each like. There's like eight doctors in the room, and they all say hi to each other, like doctor, 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 doctor. Wait, isn't that that's not in uh, Fletch? Isn't that in Fletch? No, that's well, that's clearly spies like us. I'm trying to remember the joke from Fletch that you're thinking of. There's which, a doctor joke in Fletch. I thought that there was a doctor joke in Fletch. Yeah, I don't know. We've um, gone way the fuck off topic at this point. Yeah, let's um, wrap so. up. <laughs> Thanks as always for listening. Um, again, you know, you, we didn't mention at the top, but if 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 you would like us to discuss your comments, like we did our friend Chris, um, you can you, you get at us at, at, at uh, any way you'd like, uh, whether that's at whattheforkpod at gmail dot. Oh wait, I'm sorry, at whattheforkpod on Twitter and Instagram, or whattheforkpod at gmail dot com, uh, or just message either one of us. Um, with your thoughts, whether you agree, disagree, um, whatever, we'll we'll talk about it. And uh, talk to us, so we don't have to talk about ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Exactly. Uh, or this this episode. Um, so, <laughs> all right, man. Well, well, be well, and uh, and to to our listeners, uh, take it sleazy. Yes. Same here. Take it sleazy, everybody. Uh, um, and. Uh, Nice seeing you, Jared. Yeah, likewise. <laughs> over over uh, Zoom, which is pretty much the only way I ever see anybody these days. So yes. Oh so. yeah, and go wear your fucking masks. I you know yeah. I this is not a political show, but I, I gotta say I really hope you know we're taping this on a Thursday. We don't find out how Phoenix City Council votes until tomorrow. Uh, but you know I I think Gallego will 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 do the right thing. I, I was I don't know if you saw my Twitter post. I, I was pretty, you know, uh venomously pissed at our governor for being a, a kind of spineless twit. Um this, you know it, the spikes that we've seen, it's a serious thing. Take the precautions you can and be safe and and you know, be responsible. That's all I gotta say about that. Yeah, well the ice as I referred to our governor as the ice cream man. Right. Well, he melts pretty much. That's it. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, he melts under, he melts under any heat. Yeah. I just, Oh God, don't. Yeah. You better, you better wrapping it. We're going back to take it sleazy. Take it sleazy. <laughs> <laughs>
this has been a Hoonwaddle production. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not check out one of our other fine podcasts available from Hootenwaddle.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any number of podcast apps. If you'd like to support Hootenwaddle and get access to an exclusive member-only podcast, receive discounts on merch, and more, go to patreon.com forward slash Hootenwaddle.